This is the Wellness for Vets podcast, providing information and resources to improve the wellness of the men and women serving our nation and the first responders who are serving their communities. We'll talk about exercise, nutrition, lifestyle, and alternative practices and emerging therapies for the mind, body, and spirit. Welcome to another episode of the Wellness for Vets podcast. I'm your host, James Connor, coming to you from the Eagle's Nest in Limerick, Ireland. Our, this is our annual or weekly or however long this podcast comes out. Reminder that our website is up and running at wellnessforvets.info, where we'll have copies of the uh, podcast, other resources and information for veterans and first responders to promote healthy living and wellness through physical activity, nutrition, and alternative therapies, and pretty much anything that you might find interesting that you want to look for. And if you don't see it there, just drop us a message in the contact page and we'll see what we can do about that. So with me today is a, a guest his name is Ron Millward, and he's coming to us from my old stomping grounds in Philadelphia, PA. Ron's an Air Force veteran. He spent about seven and a half years in the Air Force. Used to run some convoys through Iraq. He was uh, deployed in a couple other places throughout the Middle East. We're going to be getting into his story and talk a little bit about uh, the group that he helped start, which is called Balance for uh, Is it Balance for Veterans? Balanced Veterans, yep. It's it's such an easy name, but for some reason, it's the second time I've had to ask you. But uh, it's all good. So here here's Ron coming to you from the land of Vince Papali and the uh, Super Bowl Fifty Two champions. Which you know, the the more the time goes on, Super Bowl Fifty Two see keeps getting further and further away. But Ron, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. You said the Eagles Nest. I am actually here in the Eagles Nest, home of the Philadelphia Eagles. Pumped I'm to, jealous. Pumped this, here, is, this is like the satellite nest, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah, man, I am excited to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, pumped to chat with you. So I found Ron. So here's the thing, like especially with in in today, 2020, with everything going on with protests and COVID, and it's an election cycle and all this, and it just so happens this is the year that I decided to get the Wellness for Vets. Well, it's been up and running for a little bit, but I actually put some effort into it, and I cannot think of a time that I wanted to get off of social media more than right now. The only problem is it, it's if you're trying to do this kind of stuff, it helps to have a presence. But one of the things that I like about it is I'm able to connect with people like Ron. And I'll tell you, um, I think I had a post one day. I, I don't remember what it was, but I had actually marked it as being in Philadelphia. And Ron had reached out and sent me a message and said, hey, I, I saw you were in Philly. I said, I wasn't really in Philly. I just tagged that to kind of expand the, the reach. But um so Ron and I started talking and this is one of the things that I, I, I do like about the social media is that I'm able to connect with other veterans, first responders and people and get to talking to them. And when I see something that catches my eye, I might follow somebody for a little while before I actually like reach out and start a heavy dialogue. And just the other day, um, Ron had a post on there, which it was the post that caught my eye. And I said, all right, it's time to reel this cat in. Uh, so I'm just going to read this caption real quick and then, you know, I'll, I'll stop running my suck and actually let the guest speak for a little bit. 
Ron was doing an interview with somebody and he said, uh, I want to be able to educate and help veterans. I want to help them understand some of the common issues in the military we all face. It's not just all mental health, but the transition aspects, the feminine masculine aspects that a lot of people don't even understand or talk about. And, you know, I was actually thinking about this, uh, this, this quote, Ron, it just, it, it really jumped out at me. I, I don't know why, but there was something about it. And I said, yeah, all right, it's, it's time to bring Ron on. Um, and I was thinking about it today. Well, I was taking a shower of all places, you know, the shower and the, the shitter is usually where I do my best thinking. Oh yeah. And, same here. Uh, and I was like, you know what? It's sometimes it's not. And then my girlfriend, I was talking to her about it. When you, when you mentioned the transition piece, it's sometimes that stress that we all go through and, and, a lot of the vets with anxiety and depression and all that, like it might not even be combat related. I mean, we always hear about PTSD and TBI, but a lot of that stress anymore might not even be combat related. It's that stress of leaving what you know, which is a very tight regiment, and then going on to the unknown, not having the support that you used to have and this, that, and the other. So, And, and I think that's why that quote jumped out at me so much. Yeah, man. I, <clears throat> one, I'm pumped that we met. Same. I, I wish I could get off social media, but I think that content like this, content like you're posting, like I'm trying to post, man, I think it's beautiful in this time because we're able to stop and interrupt some of this garbage and say, hey, here's some ways to get healthy. Here's some ways to maybe look at life a little bit differently. And yeah, man, I mean, in that quote, it, there are uh, quite a few huge topics to, to potentially discuss in that. But yeah, you're absolutely right. I think one, we can't discredit trauma. Trauma is a part of most veterans' stories, and whether that be combat, military sexual trauma, whether that be the trauma of losing a friend to suicide, um, there are so many different types of trauma that, that can come, but not always just combat. And I think that, you know, that transition when you do get out of the military you, you're leaving something that has been security for some people a long time. You look at people that have retired that have been in for 20 years. This is all that they know. And then myself, I was in for seven and a half years, but still that became a part of my psyche. It became a part of my mind, having that community, having that, having the, the steps of what to do next laid out for me. You know, I mean, your doctor's appointments, every single thing that you do in the military is pretty much told to you. Um, and so then all of a sudden it's not. And uh, there's not a, a ton of help right there, or at least you don't want it in the first first time you're getting out. You know, you're sort of struggling, not sure where to go. And so for some, that starts a downhill spiral. And it did for me. It was a really, really uncomfortable uh, spiral for me to transition. I had thought that what I wanted was to separate. I'm grateful that I did. But when I did, um, I wasn't really prepared for it. It wasn't, you know, what I had expected. Um, and I hadn't dealt with my trauma and I hadn't dealt with my divorce and the things that had happened in the military that I would like to say were attributed to the military. You know, I, I, I put blame on myself. I think that one of the mental spots that I got to finally was I stopped blaming everybody else. I stopped blaming the military. I stopped blaming everyone. And I took ownership for my stuff, for my trauma, for what was really um, really eating me alive. And that was when I was able to finally start the healing journey, but it took me a long, long time to get there. Yeah. So like we said, you, you were in the air force for about seven and a half years. Um, 
Ken, and, and you told me before we went on, you know, you, you were involved in, uh, you were a vehicle operator, so you did a lot of convoys in Iraq, um, which I'm sure that will lead into my next question. But would you mind sharing with us a little bit of the your own trauma that you had mentioned? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we, uh, uh, the Air Force, you know, I get a lot of jokes every time I tell somebody else in the Air Force, oh, you're in the Chair Force, all of that, you know, and it's, it's, it's funny, it's comical, and I get it. Uh, you know, but I'm yeah, so my interrupt you real quick. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Actually, and we were me and my girlfriend listened to a lot of uh, Dave Asbury, and, and she always <laughs> talking about how he always interrupts the guests. And then here I am interrupting you. But uh, I got it because we're talking Air Force. When I was a young Marine, uh, I had to go home on emergency leave and like I was broke and my buddies pulled their money together for me to get a ticket from California back to the, to Philly and, and ultimately Delaware. And I was going to figure out the rest from there. And I went to the Red Cross to see if they could help me get a plane ticket back to the States. And it was actually an Air Force veteran who had uh, hooked me up and, and made sure I got taken care of because he was a Vietnam vet. And told me a story about when he was in Vietnam, he said he was somewhere he shouldn't have been. And a couple of Marines pulled his ass out of a bad situation. So he was paying it forward by by helping me out. But so I, I, I don't. I bag on the Air Force a little bit, but, you know, we still love you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. Hey, I've got a special place in my heart for the Marine Quick Response Force, so I'm, I'm all about it. I appreciate you guys. But, yeah, you know, I, I uh, went into the Air Force really young. I was 17, and um, I went in open general, right? I had no idea what job I was going to get. I get in there. Next thing you know, I get vehicle operator. All right, this can't be a big deal. I'm going to drive everything on base. And that's what you did. You learned to drive all the forklifts, tractor trailers, anything that had wheels. I had it on my license. But the combat aspect of it or the deployment aspect was um, to directly support convoy operations in Iraq. So basically for the Army, it was the equivalent of an 88 Mike. Um, And so they called us combat truckers. So um, went through combat training, deployed to Iraq. And... um, you know, it was, it was, <laughs> it was an experience. I'll tell you that. I think that um, the, not just the trauma aspects of it, the small arms fire we received, the IEDs that we had hit, like I, it was more the, the fight or flight mode. Every single time you left the fob, every single time you left the base to go on a mission, you know, potentially that being the last day or last time you would see that base, you know, you may pass away, you may, you know, die on the mission. And, um, that man, that was like worse than any of the trauma that happened, you know, like we were kind of looking forward to the small arms fire and the things that would happen when you go outside the base, but like that leaving and just not knowing, and then you got the chaplain praying for you. Like it just does something to your mind, you know, it gets you, gets you really hyped up. Um, but yeah, so, so, uh, did convoys and, um, while I was over there, we were uh, hit by a couple IEDs and um, I was uh, eventually had a, a traumatic brain injury um, and was medevaced to Launchstool, Germany, first Baghdad, Launchstool, Germany, and then back stateside to Texas where I had gone through just some testing and and um, luckily I was fine, no loss of limbs, nothing major. Um, really just mentally, really, really mentally messed up and didn't know how much I was until, you know, after the fact, it's a really, really tough time. Right. Um, but I, I would say that that was, that was fine. Right. Traumatic, upsetting, really, really, uh, really changes who you are. But the bigger part was when I came home and, and 
then friends started committing suicide and it was, you know, it happened to my best friend and then it was another guy in our unit and then it was another guy and, and it just didn't stop, you know? And I think to date now I've got around 11 brothers and sisters that have committed suicide that I know personally. And, um, man, it's just not all right. And I, I think that that is, that is what has directly led me to where I am today. Yeah. You know, I, uh, I don't think I've actually stopped and really counted out how many people I know who have either committed suicide or maybe just, you know, en- engaged in some reckless behavior, which ultimately led to their demise. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think back to, I don't know if you remember the TV show, major dad, it was a post golf war and way before nine 11, but there was an episode where they go on this, uh, mission into Central America and come back and the young lieutenants fall full of piss and vinegar and decides he wants to go to EOD because he needs a more exciting job. And uh, it's kind of that, you know, we, we call them adrenaline junkies, right? It's like when you talk about going outside the wire, you get yourself all amped up to go out. You might be on a convoy for a few hours, patrol, whatever your mission is, nothing happens and you come back and then you're just like, Like you got to, you just are, you're exhausted. You haven't even done anything, but you're exhausted. Now you do that for years on end, you know, it's going to catch up to you. So these are friends and and brothers and sisters when they get out and they don't have to be uh, operating at that tempo anymore, but they still are, um, you know, it it causes a a lot of serious issues. And that's where some of that not non-trauma depression and anxiety and stuff comes in yeah yeah absolutely yeah it's aggressive how did this uh how did this kind of steer you to the path that you're on now like what, what was the what changed for you well you know uh that was uh you know 2010 long time ago now uh and lots of lots of lots of my own reckless trauma in between there right you know i had a, a point where i had uh started to drink a ton and I was on the pharmaceutical track, right? So PTSD was what I was diagnosed with while I was in along with a bunch of other stuff that they don't really even take the time to figure out what's wrong. They just start to label some things and start to throw some medication at it. So unfortunately I got wrapped up in that. And and by the time you knew it, I was on six to seven pharmaceuticals, two to three times a day, just taking a ton of pills, completely zombified out. Um, and I'd gotten to a point where I, uh, tried to commit suicide. I just didn't want to live this. That's not the way to live, you know? And so anybody that's listening to me right now that hears that this similar story, I'm on pharmaceuticals, I'm feeling, you know, not myself, you you're not supposed to, and that is not a way to live. And I don't think that you're wrong for feeling that way. And so, but for me, I didn't know the way out, right? It felt like there was just literally nothing. I didn't know about any alternative therapies. I knew about nothing. And so suicide was my option. And so I drank a bunch of alcohol, took some pills, luckily did not succeed. But from that attempt, I was institutionalized. Um, And I spent about uh, 14 days at Walter Reed. And then I was put into a 30 day alcohol rehab where um, it was a civilian alcohol rehab as well, which was, I was grateful. I was like, okay, great. I'm out of the the military system. I'm going to be seen by people that will understand and see what's going on. And they didn't. Um, I was under 24 hour surveillance. They just gave, they diagnosed me with more mental health stuff and added more medication. Um, 
And so I was just really, really in a dark spot. I had no idea, you know, what normal was supposed to look like, you know, and, and I was very, very miserable. Um, at the same time, this is kind of interesting, a pretty key part of the story. At the same time, I actually was a pastor at uh, a couple large churches through this, through these periods of like struggle. And so, you know, me taking these medicines, I'm like, okay, I'm all right, but I'm struggling on the inside and spirituality is filling in the gap, right? Like there's, this is what's keeping me alive, keeping me in balance. Uh, but in reality, I mean, it was a ticking time bomb. Uh, so I had uh, finally got to a point where someone on my team uh, had asked me, actually a really, really good friend of mine now, we've been friend, friends for years, had said, hey, have you, ever, have you ever smoked cannabis? Have you ever tried, you know, marijuana? And uh, I was like, yeah, you know, I messed around with it before the military, um, but, you know, it's something I was completely against. A lot of people tell you that, especially coming out of the military. It's, a, it's wrong. People tell you it's wrong. It's going to affect your mental health. So I was against it, but I did it. And I felt amazing. And um, for the first time in a long time, I actually had uh, my brain was able to sort of slow down. I was able to I felt my body sort of readjust and, and calm down. And I got out of that fight or flight mode. It just it was something that I hadn't felt for a long time. Um, and it started my, my journey uh, with cannabis. And, you know, it wasn't always pretty. And there's now so much more evidence out there. And you you know, there are state programs and, and medical programs with tons of education and there have been studies done. So now it's a lot safer and and less scary to start with. I was, you know, back in the day, you get, you know, whatever you get and you try it and hopefully it's good and hopefully it helps you. Um, so it's a little less of a risk now. And it's something that I really love to advocate for. Um, so that pushed me into uh, starting an organization about a year and a half ago called Balanced Veterans, where I was in the Pennsylvania medical marijuana program, realized how much of a benefit it was. But then I also realized that there just wasn't great education around it. There wasn't anybody really explaining what cannabinoids were, what are terpenes, what is CBD, what is THC, what is all of this stuff that is cannabis, is marijuana. And so I was like, you know, it's very scary for some people. People have been told they could go into psychosis if they use it and things like that, right? So we just wanted to start to educate. So we partnered with uh, one of the larger dispensaries in um, Pennsylvania. They had a pharmacist that did an incredible, incredible educational series. Um, we worked together on that and then started to present that to veterans and then COVID hit. <laughs> so that was kind of kind of our track to start educating on that. Um, but, you know, Balanced Veterans is more than cannabis. We are, we're all about just like you are all of the healing modalities and and part of what we do is to partner with other organizations to bring healing modalities and education and advocacy to veterans so you know acupuncture meditation yoga all of the things man art therapy um, cannabis has just been a really really incredible tool for me to help with some of the the pharmaceuticals and some of the mental health aspects that we deal with Sorry, man. I get long-winded. I was just no, no, no. I, I like it because it gives me it gives me some insight into you know a better understanding of what you're doing, which is a, exactly what I've been looking for for a little while now. Just wasn't sure which way to go about it. So I've done a couple episodes on on using ayahuasca. I just yeah. did a two-part episode on on tantra. Um, and, and I figured, you know, like medical marijuana has been talked about for, for so many years now. I was like, eh, I don't really need to go down that road, but full disclosure, I don't know that much about it. 
so um, I'm, I'm well, eager to, in, I'm, I'm interested to learn about it. And I know uh, CBD, cannabis, can, whatever the, the active ingredient is. And let, let me, full disclosure, I, I, I fooled around with my fair share when I was, you know, long before <laughs> I joined the Marine Corps, I was all about listening to some Pink Floyd or Grateful Dead while, you know, hitting the bong or whatever. But that was right. the extent of my uh, interaction. And then I would usually eat a pizza and fall asleep. Right. But um, so now it's like there's there's a really big push for legalization. There's different programs. There's, you know, sponsored programs. It, it is a, a looked at as a medicine, but I know there's like limitations to it. I, so I'm just going to get right to the point and I'll tell you, um, one of my biggest things, which, which I was a little hesitant to get on board, and, and hopefully you can clear this up, is just smoking it. Now, I know it comes in oils and, and, and a lot of studies have been done on oils and it's been very helpful. Um, but the, the part that I'm a little hesitant on is the smoking part, because it's like, while you're helping one part of you, you're damaging another part. So how do you, how do you kind of get around that piece? And, and also like, I mean, Hey man, you were in the military, you met a lot of people, a lot of our buddies, you know, they were, they were burners before they joined and, and now oh, yeah. they, you know, they're, they're finding a window to kind of get back to burning, but getting away with it. You know what I mean? And there's nothing yeah. wrong. If somebody wants to get high to get, I don't, I don't care. But <laughs> when we're talking about like no shit therapy and trying to help people out, you know, kind of, if you can explain that process and, and some of these educational pieces, man, I would love to, that's a really great question. I'm going to let my dog in really quick. Cause she's literally yeah, scratching at the door. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a really good question. Uh, and, and look, I was sort of the same way and, and, Smoking, you know, obviously is negative. It's not a good thing for the body regardless. I'm going to, full disclosure, I smoke regularly every day. I enjoy it. I think that um, I've done a lot of research around um, cannabis. And for me, the most therapeutic feeling or full body effect is when I combust the plant. And I'm not sure if that's, you know, there's been studies on different terpenes being released at different temperatures, which will create different effects in the body. So I'm not sure if that's why I feel a little bit more of the effect when I combust it as to when I would vaporize it or use it in another form. I'm not exactly sure. I'm really excited for it to be descheduled so that we can actually get some of these studies done so that people can have that peace of mind and say, Hey, why is it this? Why do I feel this way? Um, but yeah, I mean, marijuana cannabis has had such a negative stigma thrown at it. And honestly, some of the veteran organizations, and I'm going to have people hate me for saying this all over the nation. I hang out with you guys. Some of the veteran organizations did not do a very good job representing cannabis as a medicine in the beginning, right? Like we had started this whole journey with veteran organizations going to the Capitol steps, lighting bongs and ripping them and saying, we need our medicine. Give it to us now. Right? Like that, that it's, there are ways to do it. That's a very effective civil disobedient way to do it. I've got some really great friends that have led the charge in civil disobedience. My buddy, Mike Whiter was the first person to be arrested in Philadelphia for lighting a joint down at the Capitol, you know, and like without them, without these sort of things, we wouldn't be where we are with cannabis legislation. I agree with that. So I do think that there is a necessary level of civil disobedience that is acceptable, that is going to really help us move the mission forward. But 
at the same time, it's got a lot of people that are like, whoa, here we go. It's a big stoner culture, just people getting high all the time. They're hiding behind this medicine, or they don't even want to call it a medicine. They're hiding behind this drug. They're replacing one drug with another. They're all of these stories that you hear, right? But like healthcare, as you know, and, and what we're doing to heal is an individual journey. So I know guys that are running successful businesses that may smoke 15 times a day and are like very high operating high that you wouldn't even, you wouldn't even know. Right. And these guys are doing amazing things and they're functioning and they're running businesses. And then I know guys that smoke two times a day and they're lazy pieces of shit that sit on their couch. Right. So it's like, you've literally got this full spectrum of people. And I think what goes into it is really our mentality. If you're going into this to get high and escape, you're going to get that. You're going to get to get high. You're going to escape. You're going to be a lazy slob. You're going to eat the pizza, listen to music. It's going to feel good and euphoric. But if you're going into it with a medicinal aspect, you're going to actually have to put in some work. Because for me, I went into it and I'm like, man, I want to heal, right? So I'm using these sort of medicines. I would get into my head further than I ever have before using cannabis. Like, so instead of just getting high and shutting things off, I never had that effect. It actually had me go into some of that stuff. Why do I feel this way? I remember distinctively about two years ago now, my biological father passed away. And there was some trauma there. He was in and out of my life. He sucked. He was a drug dealer, in and out of jail, abused women, all of these things, right? And I'm like, this is what made me a man. This is what did blah, 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 all of these things. And I was going crazy and I could not really like deal with this, like how to, how to process that. There were so many things I didn't ask. There were so many things I didn't say, you know? And so I used cannabis and I was able to one calm down. It like immediately calmed me down to a spot where like all of those thoughts, they didn't go away. They were all still there. But at that point I was able to be like, all right, let's think and breathe and like, remember why, why I'm upset. Why am I upset? Is it because I didn't have this? Is it because I didn't get validation? Is it because, and I started to really analyze and process, you know, why I was upset rather than just being upset, not knowing what to do with it and running from it. A lot of us in the military and myself included, man, we're running, we're still running. We're trying to run from like that pain that we don't want to confront that trauma. We don't want to say that maybe it was in our deployment that, that really fucked us up. Maybe it was the way we were raised. Maybe it was the way that our parents taught us some things. Maybe it was the way that like our culture has created that we have created does a certain way of life. And we need to deconstruct that and figure out how we freely want to live. You know, so I, I, I didn't really answer your question too much, but like, I think that there are negative effects to everything, right? Too much of anything is a bad thing. And so, you know, when it comes to smoking the plant, combusting it, um, there's not enough evidence. I know that there are, there was just a recent study done. I'd have to find it with something with how it affects uh, the lungs or lung cancer. And it was less toxic than nicotine and smoking cigarettes, um, which, you know, I remember the myth when I was in high school, they were like smoking one joint is the equivalent of smoking two packs of cigarettes or whatever they, you know, like that was the thing that they would tell everybody. And um, I, I think that that was, uh, you know, disproven. So I, I'm not sure exactly the, you know, I'm not a doctor again, you know, <laughs> but one, one thing that I like that, that you said, I, and I really liked it was, um, you know, if you go into it with just wanting to get high, that's what you're going to do. If you go into it, the mindset of wanting to heal. And when I had talked to uh, the guys from the heroic hearts projects who, who do the ayahuasca mm -hmm. facilitation, you know, part of their Amazing screening people. is 
what's what's your intention? Because this ain't no yes. party, you know. No, you're not, it's not a party not, at all. So <laughs> if, if you if you go in there with the mindset that I'm I'm going in here with with an intention, uh, I know why I'm doing this, as opposed to that's when you're fucked up. Then right. you know I, I can see where there will be some benefits. And I guess if you know that, you know it can kind of help. If you're working with somebody, design your own program, whether you want to start off with CBD oil and maybe progress, you know, yeah. maybe you don't need to go past CBD oil. Maybe it's vaporizing, I, I, whatever. Absolutely. Forms there there are. are so many options out there that don't get you high, you know, and there we're, we're now understanding that there are compounds outside of CBD, looking at CBG and CBN and some of these things that one have no psychoactive effect, yet you'll feel an extreme like release in your body or you'll be, you know, a little bit of pain relief, things like that. So there's just so much more evidence or studies that need to be be released and allowed for us to really understand how this medicine is affecting our bodies. Yeah, I, it's funny because I read a lot of, um, I focus mainly on nutrition, but I, I read a lot of nutritional studies, you know, I mean, and they get very specific. I mean, it's like, you know, the effects of vitamin C on people with a crooked pinky toe. And it's like, okay, <laughs> You know, some of these studies are very, very specific, but regardless, they always end up, or it almost seems like they always end up, we need more human trials uh, and right. it doesn't ever seem to get past that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you, yeah. you have a very thorough study on, on, let's say marijuana and it probably somewhere at the end will say we need more studies. And then it sounds like they're not necessarily getting done or maybe they're getting done in secret. I don't know. Right. I mean, uh, to be honest with you, I want to know. I'm a little bit scared, you know, like uh, there's like a little fear in my mind of, hey, if I smoke every day, like, it, is this going to kill me faster than if I, you know what I mean? And and potentially, but there's also this, I'm also not on 12 pills a day. I'm also very happy, high functioning and and like living my best life. I'm, I'm what I like to say. Uh, thriving, you know, I think that like that is, that is a beautiful spot to be. And so there are, you know, people pick and choose those things. They add them into their lives. That's why there are so many different alternative therapies and different groups for people and hobbies and things. I think the same thing goes with our healing. You, you can, you know, however you decide to use the, the cannabis you can, and, and you said you're not on all the pills, which it just always, we could have this discussion for hours and it would totally be based on opinion. But the yeah. fact that like you started out, you know, throwing pills at you. This doesn't work. Let's change this. Let's add some more of these ones. Let's take away these ones. Here's a brand new one. And they still ain't got it figured out. It's a lot of guessing. Yeah. And, uh, but it's like, hey, here's a joint. Oh, no. Well, hold on. Red flags, red flags. <laughs> yeah, immediately. That grows from the ground. That's natural that, you know, and, 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 and there are, you know, ways that are not as, as toxic as combusting, you can use oils, you can, there, you know, edibles, different, so many different ways. Concentrates are a little healthier because you're, it's, it's kind of like free basing, but you're basically heating up that without combusting. So you're getting the vapors off of it. And so a little bit healthier, I'd say. And that's approved in the, 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 the interesting thing is smoking in the Pennsylvania medical marijuana program is illegal. So it's not approved. The only approved form of consumption is vaporization um, or orally through um, okay. oh, and topically. You can use like creams and things like that. But well, and, so and there must be thing. something that they know. Yeah, that, that's another thing I've been wondering about is, you know, how it affects people's jobs. If, if they're at a job that has a drug policy, if they want to have a state 
or some sort of federal employment. You know, if you get out yeah. of the military and you want to be a police officer, fireman, paramedic, paper pusher in, in the government, you know, and any job that has a testing program, although the drug is legal and it's like the military, right? It's, it's legal now to an extent. I think the laws are still really convoluted, but, but that doesn't mean that you can be in, in the military and, and smoke pot, <laughs> right? <laughs> even absolutely. though it might be legal in the state where you come from. Absolutely. And they even tried to ban CBD in the military. I mean, that is, that's one of those things where, you know, this is, we've got a long road ahead of us. There's a lot of legislation and a lot of change that needs to happen, but you know, I would love for it to get to the point where, you know, what happens when you take a Percocet or a, or an Ambien or a Vicodin or any of these other pharmaceuticals, you know, like you're not going to be operating heavy machinery. You're not going to be doing other things. And I would love to see cannabis potentially get to a point where like it is an acceptable form of medication for people, even with some of these higher level federal jobs and things like that. I get that it's, it, the, again, it's that stigma that's been built up for years. You know, it goes all the way to the just say no to drugs campaigns and all of the things that have happened and, and cannabis being looped in with that. I mean, it's right up there with heroin, the, the scheduling with and, and it's just it, it's really, really, I think a change needs to be made at a, at a high level for anything substantial to happen for us to get more evidence and for us to understand that it is a safe option. So how was Balanced Veterans doing so far? I mean, I know you were, you talked about how you guys were just getting rolling and then the COVID kind of slowed everything down. But I mean, uh, is it like a, a referral page, an information page? It's, uh, what is it balancedveterans.com? Yep. So uh, balancedveterans.com. Um, and basically what we're doing right now, we were in California and Oklahoma, decided to scale back, to be honest with you, you know, it's a lot of work and, and everybody wants to start an organization and everybody wants to do something good. But when you start to get to the nitty gritty of running an organization, it's a lot of work. And um, so right now we're, we're, we're focusing heavily on just Pennsylvania and helping Pennsylvania veterans. So <clears throat> we have uh partnerships with three different certifying doctors throughout the state. And it's pretty expensive to get your medical marijuana card. It costs around $250 to get. And so with this program, we're able to help um, a certain number of veterans every month get their card for free. All they have to do is pay the state fee. And so it's a huge help to at least get people on the track and started with, with this option. Um, and then on top of that, we do education. So man, I talk to a ton of veterans one-on-one um, with like, Hey, how do you do this? How did you do this? How do you medicate? How does this work? You know, and just kind of educating, helping people with that, but that's not scalable. So, you know, we were doing this organization, uh, this partnership with beyond hello to do veteran education series. They're about to have 15 locations in the state of PA, and we're hoping to have um, education classes at all of those, just at least for veterans to understand how. Um, and we went deep. This uh, Some of the presentations that we had went into how different um, cannabinoids can help you with sleep, how they interact with certain medications, how they, and these were all with backed studies. Anything that didn't have a study backed with it, we didn't put it in the in the. Um, PowerPoint. So it was a really, really informational and I'm excited to get this out to more veterans. Um, and so, you know, futuristically, we may develop something online for people to educate themselves a little bit more, but for now it was really grassroots. Um, we've been, uh, we've had some, some different meetups and we're hoping to do like uh, sort of a health and wellness 
expo sort of deal so that people can come and learn about different healing modalities here locally. Uh, we've got some partnerships with chiropractors and acupuncture and some therapists and a lot of different holistic healers. And so really trying to build a network for veterans to be like, hey, I want to try something. The VA isn't offering this or, you know, it takes forever to get in through it. So um, having either discounts or different referrals to hook people up. Uh, with different healing modalities. But um, yeah, so COVID kind of had us at a pause, but I was doing a, a, you know, a little bit of speaking, chatting with people um, for some different orgs. And now we're back, man. The the Pennsylvania Cannabis Festival is October, I believe, second and third or third and fourth, and we'll be there physically. So we're going to slowly start to roll back out with COVID procedures and and try to continue to educate vets so are, are you guys able to, um, do you have access to, or are you allowed to uh, go into the VAs, like the VA hospitals or homes, or, you know, if they have group meetings or whatever? We are. I have a really uh, great relationship with the Philadelphia VA. I'm not only a patient there, but um, they, they know very much about balanced veterans. They actually give us a ton of uh, the veteran crisis line like handouts, like dog tags and just free stuff, the masks and different things. Like it's really, really cool. So they have been very helpful. And then, uh, yeah, looking, looking to hopefully, you know, haven't had the conversations yet about coming in to actually educate about that. It's a little, little bit far off. I know the VAs are still not touching cannabis conversations, but um, they did allow us to post about having meetings outside of the VA. So we can't have meetings in the VA. We can't necessarily educate about cannabis yet, but um, I wear my shirt, you know, we put flyers up. And so if people, people want to hear about it, they're going to hear about it. Um, But I'm a man, I'm a digital marketer by trade. I'm actually going to Temple University um, to finish my degree in advertising. And so like, like you said, how I found you, you posted Philadelphia. I'm always cruising digitally. And I saw you in the Philadelphia feed found you like, so I'm on the hunt, man. I'm always trying to find other veterans that, you know, may be able to hear something or, or try something new and, and, um, you know, hey, moving a different let me track. ask you this, man, I'm really curious. And, you know, I guess it's kind of answer the best that you can, but, uh, how big is the veteran community of Philly? I mean, I would think a city that size, there would be a lot, but I, I don't know because I don't know how many people are really rushing to join the military anymore these days. Man, well, here's what's actually mind-blowing. I found out that Pennsylvania is actually the fourth largest uh, veteran population in the nation. Um, We've got close to one million veterans in the state of Pennsylvania. Um, As far as the uh, veteran community here, I know it's large. There are quite a few organizations. You've got Greater Philadelphia Veterans Network. Um, you've got, uh, we actually have a Philadelphia Veteran Council at the, at the, um, not at the Capitol, right there. <laughs> what is it called? Right there, uh, uh, City Center, Center hey. City. <laughs> Okay. We've got an actual veteran that he's an active duty army actually that advocates for veterans. And so, um, you know, they know about us. We aren't necessarily working together yet, but uh, there are a lot of veterans. I don't know an exact number. I can look into that, but um, so many so that there are multiple homeless shelters just for veterans in Philadelphia and there are a ton of different organizations. So, that's my goal. I really want to try to, to educate more veterans on the alternative therapies, not just cannabis. That's where we get a lot of closed doors, but really mental wellness, you know, and, and learning about alternative therapies to heal. A lot of these organizations are very strategic in one lane or they help with homelessness and they help with these things. And so we want to come alongside and at least bring some education or some professionals that can help veterans. 
Well, and one of the things that I love about what you're saying, which is a goal of mine to do it at some point in time, um, really, it just comes down to networking, but um, kind of breaking down the the barriers of, you know, what was traditionally viewed as like voodoo or weird or whatever, you know, like I told you, I, I just did a, a two part episode with a lady talking about Tantra, right? Dude, and I'm so um, glad you did. Thank you for doing that. And the, the sex part of it is a very minuscule part of it. Right. Like it's really, to, but that's what everybody thinks when they, they hear it. And then as she was explaining the process, I mean, of course I had planned it out before I had talked to her, but I said, yeah, you know what? This actually could have some benefit to, to some of the issues for with people coming out. So just breaking down those walls of, you know, um, what was the one? acupuncture? You know, yeah, I'm, yeah. people always viewed that as I'm not going to lay down and have some Chinese guy putting needles <laughs> in me. And say, well, OK, let's just take a relax. Let's, let's talk about why they do it, how it works and this, that. And the Everybody other. has heard something about everything that's made it weird. Right. Like, yeah. I'm glad you talked about the Tantra. Like you said, sex is a very minimal part of that. But living a Tantric life is a beautiful, beautiful thing that I think more people should strive to do. You know, and like you take these things, we learn about all of these different healing modalities. And it's not like we do all of them every day, all the time. I don't have like incense burning and crystals and I'm doing all the things and I'm doing everything every day. But when you can pick and choose different pieces of that to make a practice, like, man, it can be really beautiful. And it's a once, it's not a one size fits all. It's a, it's an individual prescription for the person to figure out like, man, what's going to work for me? What is comfortable for me? Um, and you know, I, the, it's really funny. My girlfriend is, is, uh, she's a little more hippie than I am. And she, she has been exploring a lot of these modalities for a long time. And so I come at it and I'm like, all right, here's what we've got to do. We've got to take this weirdness, what I call weird, which is not the societal norm. And we've got to normalize it. How do we do that? Right. And that, like, man, I think that's exactly what we're trying to do is really one. I'll lead by example and show you guys like, here we go. I'm getting my face stuck in all these little needles in me. Acupuncture was a beautiful thing, you know, and when we can dive in and try some of these things and, ex and share our experiences and stories, man, I hope more veterans try stuff. And just try it out. And if you hate it, so what? Try something else. <laughs> yeah, you can move on to the next thing. Because you might love it. <laughs> well, I, I was really surprised when I started. Um, when, when I retired, I started going to the the yoga classes on on base. And you know, yoga itself has become much more acceptable. You know, I think you'll you'll probably find more people doing yoga than say tai chi. Yeah. You know, um, which which I'm working on right now, but. Yeah, it's just a matter of trying different stuff out. I mean, when I, I want to try to what I'm doing is fun, and I, I can tell you about it offline. But uh, when I did my mind body coaching certification, it was just kind of like, look, here's all these different things out here, different, right. different, like. And at first, a lot of them seemed like they were all chiropractory, chiropractic, but each one has their own different piece to it so yeah. it's just figuring out like you said man what which one works for you i love that that's probably going to be my sound bite taking all the the weirdness of making it normal <laughs> <laughs> i mean it, it just when you when it's not normalized for you it just is weird you know and and i i had to like really really die to a lot of that and i had to be like all right i'm just gonna try it and i'm gonna see like what this is all about see how i feel and it's just been a really fun journey Cool. <clears throat> man this has been great brother uh, i'm glad we had this uh we were able to pull this off 
Ron Millward, his organization is balanceveterans.com. Uh, he's also on Instagram uh, if, if you want to f- give him a follow. And I'll have all that, all the different links to the, everything posted up on the show notes. Um, Ron, any final thoughts? Man, no, thank you so much for, for your time and what you're doing. I'm excited to continue to follow your journey as well. This is, this is very, very needed. And, man, I'll be supporting the whole time. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. And uh, I think football season's just a couple couple weeks away, if it even kicks off. So go birds, I hope. <laughs> go birds. <laughs> You've reached the end of another episode of the Wellness for Vets podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, you can subscribe on iTunes, Anchor FM, and Google Podcasts. You can also head over to our website, wellnessforvets.info, to gain access to show notes, resources, and ways to connect with me on social media. I'd also appreciate a rating on iTunes or simply tell a friend about the show. That would help us reach more people. Until next time, thank you.